Thanks, guys. Very humbling, as always, Pastor. Um, I want to... Um, thanks, thanks for the shout-out for the switch leaders. You guys were awesome over the weekend. But um, if you're a parent of a... Um, like an intermediate age kid, probably a teenager in general, I want to give you some honor this morning because we were exposed to your intermediate age kids for what, like 12, 20, not even 24 hours, 12 hours, something like that. Um, 18 hours, we'll call it. My maths is bad this morning. And it was enough, you know? It was good. <laughs> we had fun. It's cool. But, you know, I was um, quite tired at the end of it, thinking I was too old for that sort of thing. Um, slept on the floor just down the back there, no mattress or anything like that. Really enjoyed myself. But um, I want to give you parents a bit of kudos, a bit of honor, a bit of respect this morning because that's impressive that you deal with that all day. So yeah, give yourself a pat on the back. Round of applause. It's in- incredible. Um, while Pastor Craig was talking about man, conf- man conference, um, I had to have a little smile to myself because he talked about going and blitzing it, like, you know, getting a whole lot of us guys up, going up to this conference in the city and having a really good time. And immediately what popped into my head was the time we did exactly that with um, some people from the youth group. And we went up to a, a youth summit that was at Mount Wellington. And we went up there and we blitzed it. And we had so much fun, they didn't invite us back ever again because <laughs> there was spaghetti stomped into the carpet. Like, there was just crazy dancing going on in the middle of the thing. And they were all, like, these, these really cool people like, standing there looking at us just a little bit sideways. Hey, who let the people out of Pukekohe, you know, taking it to the city? But um, <laughs> in all seriousness, throughout Man Conference, I really suggest that you should go. Like, I don't think I can make the whole thing because we've got to do youth on Friday night. But I'm fully intending to go up during the Saturday and the Saturday night to get some of their input. Um, because I know that I need it, um, and what I'm going to talk about this morning is sort of reflecting that, that um, as people we need to make sure that we input into ourselves and feed into ourselves and that, and take an opportunity to sow into ourselves. And so if you're a guy, I strongly suggest that you do something about that. It's too easy to miss out. Okay? Everyone good? Turn to the person next to you. Say they're looking really good. Give them a kiss on the cheek if you're that way inclined, and we'll get this show on the road, and it will be good, and it will be fun. All the switch kids will have to try and stay awake. I'm going to try and stay awake. I'm, if I pray at all this morning, I have my eyes open so I don't fall asleep while I'm praying. It's going to be good. Um, what I want to say is that this message this morning, I hope, will encourage you and um, lift you up and, and, I guess, equip you with something to take you further, right? And, and I want to start off this morning talking about me because at some point I'm going to talk about you and what um, it means for you. But I want to start off by talking about me and what it means for me, just so that we're all in this together. So it's not just me telling you how you should, but just helping you understand that what I'm talking about is something that I'm having to live out myself. Okay, is that all right? So my message this morning is called Introducing Me, Pretty Excellent, Really Funny, Expert at Cooking Toast. That's the title of my message, okay? And if you want an acronym to help you remember that, it spells imperfect, okay? Everyone say imperfect, imperfect. Okay. I want to see the scene. I like to be good at things, right? Anyone else like relate to that? Like to be, I, I enjoy being good at things. And, and um, that's quite important to me. I have like a, a, probably a little bit of pride thing going on about it. Um, but I like to be good at things. And I like to think, think that most things that I decide to do, that I decide to put my effort into, I am really good at, right? I play pool against Gina. She understands that if I bother playing pool, I'm going to smash her. And it's like a point of pride. And she's like, never wants to play pool with me because I always win. And, and I know that's really horrible, bad husband thing to do. But I'll be picky about the things I choose to do because I like to be really good at the things I do, right? Anyone else relate? Like, you're selective about, yeah, okay, that's cool. That's cool. 
Um, and, and I guess the, the, the downside to that is I'm only good at things I do because I choose to do them. The things that I don't choose to do, I'm not that great at, right? And, and um, there's been countless times in our married life where Gina wants me to do something and I'm like, I'm not doing that because I, I, I strongly suspect I'm going to be no good at that, right? Um, I don't know if anyone heard the story about the rope swing in Vanuatu recently. Gina's like, let's do the rope swing. And I'm like, I don't really want to, but go on, do the rope swing. And it turns out I wasn't very good at it, and I embarrassed myself, and it's still like a sore point for me. Um, not good, not good. Um, another one happened on Friday, uh, Friday night at Switch. No, Saturday. Saturday. At the Switch overnighter. Um, one of the guys, Ben, he had a kazoo there. Anyone ever heard of a kazoo before? Anyone? You know, what it, you know what a kazoo, right? A little plastic thing, typically. It's got like a little reed in it. You blow into it, make weird sounds and that. And it's, there's a cool look. Do you have it with you, Ben? No. It's in the car. Don't worry about it. Okay. Kazoo. Um, and so Ben had played this game with a kazoo, and we're talking about how um, some of the girls at Switch had tried to play the kazoo and had grabbed it off Ben and blood straight into it and couldn't make a sound out of it. And I was like, what? Like, I had a kazoo when I was a kid. I know how to blow a kazoo. I can do that. Give me that thing. And, and you know, being quite proud of myself, like, I like to be good at things. I can do that. I grab this kazoo and I blow into it and absolutely no noise comes out of it at all. At all. Like, not even a, a whisper, eh? It was terrible. Uh, and, you know, my wife, being lovely, laughs at me, mocks me, and says, oh, how's that go, Dave? Have another go. I'm like, nope. Throw that kazoo away because I cannot stand failing at stuff like that, right? I know that I like to be good at stuff. Um, and, and I guess what happens is this, is that because when I bother trying to do something, I'm good at it, then I have a very high opinion of myself when it comes to doing new things, right? And I'll find myself sitting back going, I could do that. I could do that. I'm the man. I don't know if anyone relates to this. It could, it could just be me this morning, but I'm sharing with you so that you can, you know, learn about me. Um, I'm the man. Like, I can do anything. I'm so good. Like, people should worship at my feet. Like, they should just give me free money, free cars, international trips, all that. I should have that because I'm the man. I am that good. And that's good. I fit, it's sort of self-feeding, self-perpetuating, like, image of myself. But the problem is, is that it's not actually true and that every now and then I get into a situation or God says something to me or someone else pulls me aside and says, Dave, you're not all that. You've got some issues here. You need to sort that out. And I go from like, woo, soaring like the eagles to like swimming on this lake surface of the water like a seagull, you know, like just like this, this roller coaster ride of emotion of I'm the man to actually I'm not that excellent after all. Um, and, and, yeah, it's quite a humbling experience. I don't know if you can relate to it this morning, but I'm sharing it with you for your benefit so you understand that, you know, when I'm not perfect, right? I have these flaws. I, I've, I've written down a list. I don't know if anyone can relate. Um, I don't do enough at stuff at home to help. You know, I don't do the dishes often enough. I don't do the washing often enough. Um, sometimes I don't ring that person I know I need to ring because I'm a little bit lazy about it. You know, like, no, go, then you go there, see that person or ring that person. I'll put it off because I don't like doing that. Um, I don't get my wife flowers often enough. I don't know if there's any guys around here would, no guys around here would be like, I see that. There's one, two, three people are honest. That's good. Okay. Either that or every other husband in the church is really, really good. Congratulations. Kudos. Um, I know that I'm not perfect because I lose my temper from time to time. I don't know if anyone can relate to that. Um, and I love to spend money on coffee. Like, 
way too much money on coffee, right? So I know that I have these flaws. And in fact, if I, if I step back and look at all the flaws that I've got in my life, and that's like four or five of them, I know that I have more flaws in me than there are in a skyscraper, right? Like I have a lot of things in my life that I need to work on. Um, and, and I guess what I get to, I get to this place, I step back and I look at myself and I see imperfection. I see all these things that are wrong with me, and I'm like, Dave, that's not good enough. And I, I try to drive myself to a higher standard, a higher level. I don't know if anyone else is like that this morning, but you set yourself a standard that you're not reaching, right? And you generate in yourself a picture of who you should be, but you have no show of being because you're actually a human being, right? And, and what I want to do this morning is talk about this imperfection, this imperfect sort of way of being. Um, and what I want to do is I want to tell you that it's okay. It's okay. Is that cool? We're going to pray. I invite you to stand. You can close your eyes. I'm going to keep my eyes open so I don't fall asleep. But when you stand up across this place this morning, we'll pray. We'll just invite God to come into everything that's happening here and into us and get ready to receive from him. God, I thank you that you're here this morning. Gotta keep my eyes open. Um, that you love us, that you care for us, that you want the best for us. God, that you're interested in being intimate with us and making us better versions of us. But God, I thank you that you're a God of grace and a God of love and a God of mercy and that you want the very best for us in this place this morning. So God, use my words, open our hearts, and let us get closer to you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Grab a seat. Grab a seat. Um, I also forgot to mention that the best team in the world, the All Blacks, won last night. Bet that other team, the Also Rans, the Tryhards, the Springboks, get out of here, good times. The right team won on the day, I think, was what, how you put it. It's the right team. Not the best, the right team won. It's good. I want to take a moment just to talk about Jesus' 12 disciples. Anyone ever heard of the 12 disciples? Does anyone feel brave and think they can name all 12 or 13 disciples this morning? Anyone? No? No? Anyone? I asked my wife, who went to Bible college for what, two years? Three years. Can you name the 12 disciples? No. Okay. <laughs> it's cool. Pastor Craig's getting into it. This is his pride on the line now. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to talk about the 12 disciples. And... And the disciples, Jesus' disciples were amazing people, right? They were people that um, got to, to spend time with, like, arguably the most important person in history, right? This guy that came and walked the face of the planet, was perfect, was the son of God, came and transformed the way we do life. These disciples were right up close and personal with that. And, and that's incredible. And it wasn't only what happened during the time that Jesus was on the earth that's amazing about them, but when he moved on, when he was crucified and went back to hang out with God, they went on and did just as much. They went out and transformed the world, and they lived out everything that Jesus had talked about, everything that he had taught them, everything he would led them to. They went out and, and changed the course of history, right? And, and almost all of them, I think all of them, died as martyrs, right? They were, they were hated on by society for what they were doing, what they were saying, what they were preaching, but they were incredible people, right? And I want to talk about these 12 disciples um, just, to, just to lay a scene for us about being imperfect, right? I'm going to go through a bit of a, a list of these, these 12 of them, so you have to bear with me, but the first guy is Peter. Everyone heard of Peter? Yeah? He was from Galilee. He was a fisherman. Um, he was disposed to change. He delighted in sedition, I don't know if you know what that means, um, but he was ready to begin an insurrection at any point in time. He was ready to turn the world upside down 
for no good reason, apart from he liked to fight, right? He liked getting stuck in. So I don't know if he's necessarily a model citizen. Um, James was another fisherman. John, a fisherman with ambition, also says that he had an explosive temper and an intolerant heart. Now, that doesn't sound to me like someone that Jesus should go and use as like a model citizen, right? Explosive temper, intolerant heart. It's not really necessarily a good thing to have on your CV. Um, there's Andrew, another fisherman, enough rough dude who was out every day working with his hands to, you know, feed people and that sort of stuff. Bartholomew, I, you have to forgive me if the names that I bring out are wrong or different from what's in your Bible because these different names are different dudes, but Bartholomew was described as royalty. Now, all I could get in my head when I thought about royalty was some junk, what's the word, stuck-up punk from Rimuera who has everything laid out on a plate for him, right? That's what comes into my head when you think about royalty. So probably not perfect either. May not, he may have some manners, but he may not be perfect. Um... Um, a dude called James, who had strong character and was fiery, which I mean to me, he had a strong character and he was stubborn. If he thought he was right, he was going to be on it and he was going to fire up at you, right? So here's another dude that's probably like a little bit sketchy to have in the club. Um, Judas, a traitor, a violent Jewish nationalist, right? So you think like all the people that stand up and fight for the country, this is one of those guys. He'll bear arms because he wants to stand up and fight for what's his and what he knows in it. So it's interesting. And also, um, he was the treasurer, like the, the dude that handled the finances for the disciples and has talked about that. He probably stole from the disciples. This is one of Jesus' intimate 12, and he was like a thief amongst them. Amazing stuff. Um, Jude or Thaddeus, depends what you call him, an intense and violent nationalist who wanted world domination by the chosen people. Can you imagine that? This is Jesus' buddies, his posse. I want world domination for the Jews. It's like, it's crazy stuff, man. Um, Matthew, a tax collector, and as we know from our understanding of the Bible, tax collectors were hated by everyone. No one liked them because they were thieves. They were terrible people. Um, then we have Philip, another fisherman. Nothing against fishermen. They're lovely people. They, they feed us good stuff. Um, Simon, a zealot nationalist, crazed with hatred for Romans, zealous in good practices and reckless in the worst kind of actions. Cop that. Does this... I, I'm hoping that you're picking up. This is a little bit intense, eh? Um, and Thomas, a doubter and a pessimist, Right? Now, these are Jesus, like his buddies, his associates, the people he chose to take his message to the world. Does it sound a little bit unlikely to you? If you were here, I'm going to start up, like, say, say you're going to start up a charity today. I want to get, like, 10, 12 good people to help me. You're not going to go and get some nationalists. If that popped up on a CV, you'd be like throw that one away. If you, if you came across someone who said that their, their classic trait was um, that pretentious stuck up from me, Maria, you'd be like, I don't know if you have a place in my charitable organization. You're out of here too. If you interviewed someone and found out they were intolerant and had an explosive temper on them, you'd be like, you're a really nice person, but I, um, I'm going to call you later with the results of this interview because I don't know how you're going to react when I say no. You know, you, you, you're going to treat a little bit carefully, but these were the people that Jesus went and selected. He didn't just wait for them to come to him. He went and found them and said, you drop what you're doing and follow me and come and learn from me and then go and serve me. And that's an incredible thing that, that um, it, it, it reframes stuff. And I think Pastor Craig actually sowed the seed of this idea um, a few weeks ago when he talked about Judas. He was Judas, one of Jesus' most intimate people. He traded. He was like, even while he was serving Jesus as a disciple, 
He, in his heart, had this traitorous thing going on. He was actually going against what Jesus was all about, even though he was up close and personal with the Son of God who was walking the earth. It seems like a pretty amazing thing for me, almost revelationary, right? There's this thing about the disciples is that before Jesus came, they weren't perfect. While he was there walking around, they still weren't perfect. And you can almost guarantee your last dollar that even when Jesus had gone again, they still weren't perfect. They were still humans like you and me. And yet none of that got in the way of them serving God and changing the face of the planet. I don't know if you're hearing that this morning, but I think this is really cool. One of the, the, the very key things that we need to take, the very first thing we need to take out of this is that the disciples' lack of perfection in no way impacted on Jesus' ability to use them. And in the same way, our lack of perfection cannot in any way impact on our ability to be saved, right? We know that Jesus came to earth for everyone, not just for people who behaved properly, but for every single person. You can, you'll be well familiar in the, um, the Bible. It talks about um, John 3.16. Um, it says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It talks about the word everyone, not just some people. It goes on in verse 17. It says, God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. When Jesus came and chose his disciples, he didn't say, can I just say your certificate of goodness to say that you're qualified to be my disciple, right? He didn't say, can I just check for any tattoos or piercings because I can't tolerate that in my followers or my disciples. He didn't ask for um, a recording of their lives to check for bad language because he probably would have been quite a bit, would have disqualified them straight off the bat. Um, He didn't ask to look through their internet history. He didn't really give a rip about what they'd been up to before they came and served him. He just took them as they were and said, come and follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men instead of fishers of fish. I'm going to take you out of what you've been doing and give you something new to do, something way better, something way cooler to do, right? And I think that for you and me this morning, if we can get that in our head, that gives us an amazing picture of the grace of God, right? Because I know that what I've done, where I've been, makes no difference to God. He can still use me, right? He gives so much grace, so much mercy, so much forgiveness to me, a mere human being, and he wants to use me to go out and change the world. And for you and me, that's the same message this morning, right? It does not matter where you've been. Your flaws don't make any difference when it comes to your salvation, And we need to understand that for ourselves, but we also need to understand that for the people around us, that we can't look around at the people around us and say, you're not good enough, I don't like the way you're living. Jesus comes and says to you and to me, I'll take you, come and follow me, leave all that behind, it doesn't matter anymore, but come on. I think it's an amazing thing, right? So Jesus comes and says, I don't care about your flaws, they don't make a difference when it comes to salvation. And what a good thing it is, right? Isn't that an encouraging thought? That we have the grace of that God on our side 24-7. He believes in us enough to say, I don't care about those problems that you've had. I don't care about the things that you've done. My grace is here for you. Come and follow me. How encouraging is that? I could stop right there and leave that, right? You could take that into the week on Monday. It's good. I've got God's grace on my side. Nothing can get in the way. I get it. I get it. It's a few people like, I'm not sure about that one, Dave. It's easy to forget, though, right? 
Because I could say, oh, I could stop right there and, and then go just take that grace of God into Monday. But I know that for me, and, and I hope there's not too many people like this, but I forget it very quickly, how, how good God's grace is, right? So I might remember on oh, Monday, but by Tuesday I've forgotten again. And I'll be looking around at my workmates, and I'll be like, oh, that guy, his attitude sinks. His attitude to his boss is rubbish. I can't believe he talks about people like that. I can't believe that, that he would use that sort of language in the workplace. What a terrible person. And then, and then I'll, I'll look at myself again and I'll be like, Dave, you didn't handle this situation very well. You need to, you need to try harder on that. And then I'll, I'll come into a church and I'm like, man, it's really hard work today. It's like, what's going on? Like, man, that, that person I thought I could rely on, like, they didn't really come through like I thought they would. It's just, oh, man. And, and all that grace that I know about God just evaporates into nothing, right? And then I go back to my normal every day where I need to be perfect. I need to set a higher standard for myself. I need to set a higher standard for everyone around me in order to see stuff happen. And I forget that God actually comes and says, I've got grace for you, and I've got grace for the people around you, and you need to do something with that rather than sit back and judge, right? So we need to be able to see past everyone else's flaws as well, right? God looks past my flaws. I understand that now. I understand that God's got grace for me. He, he cares about me. He can look past the things that I've done and probably the things I'm going to do. He'll look past that. But I need to then extend that same grace to everyone else around me. I need to be able to look past the flaws of everyone else around me. Sorry, let's get to my next page. Otherwise, we'll get off track. So I don't think God expects us to live perfectly all the time. Do you think that? Like reasonably, right? Do you think God expects us to? No. He knows us, right? I don't think he expects us to do the right thing in every situation. Does everyone do the right thing in every situation? I can't put my hand up on that one, so I'm going like, to drop it down. But we know that we don't do the right thing every time. We don't, we don't do the perfect thing. We're not always right. You with me? The good thing is I don't think God expects that either. He's a, he's, a, he's a pragmatist. He's a realist. He understands that we're flawed human beings, that we've got failings, that we've got shortcomings and that sort of stuff. And he extends that grace to us that's talked about all through the Bible and that we've already talked about this morning. But I think the problem is, is that we don't actually do the same thing ourselves. I don't know if we're realistic ourselves at times, you know, we need to be able to say, actually, that person that's bugging me, like their, I don't know, their punctuality or the language they use or the way they talk about people, the way they gossip about people, the way they do this or that, or the other thing. I can't hold them to a high standard. I need to be realistic and say, actually, that person is loved by God. That person knows, should, needs to know the grace of God. There's an opportunity for me to show them that grace and to show them that love and to show them that mercy and to show that acceptance and that tolerance and, and welcome them in and show them the love of God, right? So we need to understand that, yet yeah, we're flawed, that our flaws don't get in the way of our salvation, but by the same token, we also need to understand that the people around us are also flawed and we need to extend that same grace to everyone around us and every situation we come to, we need to extend that and show God's love and his grace and his mercy to everyone, in every situation, at all costs. And, and that's a big challenge, right? I don't know about you, but I think that's a big challenge. Um, yeah, I think it's such a good thing, because we look at the picture of Jesus walking around the earth, right? And he was the man. There's no two ways about it. He was the man. And every step of every day and every place he went, he showed that grace and that love. I don't think you can find a single instance where someone came up and he said, no, that's not good enough, get away from me. He's like... You know, forgiveness, 
grace. You don't know what that person's been through to get to this situation. You don't know that that person's given everything that they have in that situation. But he gives grace and forgiveness where we, where the people around him and probably us as well, if we're honest, would be like, oh, that's not good enough, eh? That's that standard thing, right? And so I think there's something that we need to watch out for as people ourselves in our own life, as church, as Christians, is not to set a really high standard that's unattainable for people to reach, right? We have to be realistic in the same way that God is with us and have grace for ourselves, grace for the people around us, and have a God sort of grace and mercy that comes through everything. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Sweet. Just make sure I get my notes right. Um, yeah, so we, so we go through the disciples, we see all this stuff, we see that Jesus, instead of picking perfect people, takes this bunch of really rough people out on the road with him. And he, he transforms the world with them, and that's really cool. But I think when we come back to us, we, you know, when I talk about us setting standards for ourselves and, and looking at rules to try and replicate what Jesus does, I think we set um, these misconceptions up for ourselves in our own lives, Right? So we, we look at ourselves, or I look at myself and say, I didn't handle that situation well. I should handle it better. So I give myself this false picture of um, how I need to be. And then I think we do the same thing when we talk about Christian living as well. When we start thinking about, can God use me? I want to be used by God. But then we start giving these misconceptions about how we should be in order to be used by God. So we say, um, I want to be used by God, but I haven't done any Bible study. So... There's no way that God could use me. I don't understand the Bible well enough, so God can't use me. So that's one of them. Another one could be, um, um, I want to be used by God, but I don't, I, I don't really make it along to church often enough. So we build up these misconceptions about how God sees us. Oh, there's no way that God could use me because I don't, I don't go to church often, often enough. Or there could be another one, I don't read my Bible often enough. There's no way that God could use me because I, I don't know the Bible that well. Or it could be something like... Um, there's no way that God could use me because I've never prayed for anyone that got them healed. Or there's no way that God could use me because I'm not able to play an instrument. Like, I can't be involved at church because I can't be on the band. I can't play the drums. I can't play the bass. I can't play the keys. I can't sing. There's no way that God could use me. Um, there's no way that God could use me because my life's less than perfect. It's, it's not a model life. And, and I think sometimes we put up all these, these excuses, these barriers, these misconceptions about why God cannot use us. And if there's something that we see from the story of the disciples is that, um, yeah, they were less than perfect, and they knew God's grace in their life. But most importantly is God used them. And for us this morning, this is a very important thing, is that we know that we have flaws in our life. We know that they don't stand in the way of our salvation. We know that we need to um, extend grace to ourselves and to the people around us because of that. But most importantly, we understand that regardless of that, God still wants to use us. He wants to use us in the same way that he used the disciples to go out and transform the world. And, and I guess the message that I have for you this morning is that all those misconceptions you might have about being used by God can be washed away when you understand that Jesus took the very, very imperfect group of 12 or 13 people, whatever you're saying, and he took them, warts and all, burping, farting disciples, and went out and changed the planet. And if he can do that with those guys then what can he do with you and with me? The people that know him, that love him, that want the very best for him, I am sure that he can look past my lack of Bible understanding in order to go out and change a community for him. I am sure that he can take your busyness in your life 
where you struggle to find time to read your Bible or you, find, you struggle to find time to get involved. I'm sure he can work past that to take you and use you to transform a community for him. I'm sure that he can take your lack of talent with an instrument and push it aside. I'll find somewhere else for you to serve in church. But you don't have to use that as an excuse or a barrier to being used by God. And I have to tell you, this is the whole point of my message this morning, is that we need to understand that however imperfect we are, how, how rugged we are, how terrible I am at writing, I can't even read my, all these different things, all these things that we look at ourselves, that's not good enough for God, that's not right enough for God, that's terrible, that's not good enough even for me. God can take all of that, push it aside and say, I'm going to use you anyway. I'm going to use you anyway. I'm going to use you to get your neighbors saved. I'm going to use you to get your workmates saved. I'm going to get you to join a hosting team at CFC and you can welcome people with that massive smile that you've got. I'm going to use you to go out and talk about love and grace and forgiveness to people that have never heard that message before. I'm going to use you to be the best parent there's ever been to raise kids that love God and want to serve them. I'm going to use you in kids' ministry. I'm going to use you in young adults' ministry. I'm going to use you on the coffee team. I'm going to use you in the band. I'm going to show you how to speak. I'm going to use you to use it to... Um, raise a connect group up. I'm going to use you, but you have to be prepared to say, I'm going to put aside my failings, my insecurities, my imperfections, say, God, I'm ready. Use me, right? There's few people excited about it this morning. It's very good. The thing is that Jesus chose random people who weren't educated, who were by no means perfect, who were no means at the top of their game, probably fishermen, being fishermen, go out, catch nothing, come back, terrible fishermen. Um, but Jesus used them from the midst of their nothingness to go out and transform the world. Now, if that's a template for what Jesus does with people, then surely for us, that's something to be excited about. And Pukekohe and Tuoko and Franklin this morning to say, in the midst of me being me, with, let's be honest, for me, not a lot going on, Jesus wants to take you and me from where we are and to go out and transform the world. I want you to stand up where you are this morning, and I'm going to get someone to come play some keys. I'm going to pray, because I really, really, really believe that God wants to do something in us, right? Now, I don't know about you, whether you feel like you're being used by God, if you're serving God as He wants you to, but I just want you to close your eyes. I want you to start to be honest with yourself and honest with God and say, God, this morning, this morning, am I, am I being used by you? Am I serving you like you want me to be? Like, God, I know I'm not perfect, but am I doing what you call me to? And just in this moment, I want you to start to talk to God and say that because I firmly believe that God wants to use every single person in this room in a powerful way, more than currently being done. There's people in this room who are already hardcore. They're full on, they're on fire. They're seeing people's lives saved, impacted, changed for the better, changed forever. But I believe there's more. There's probably people in this room this morning, you're like, oh, I'm not perfect. I'm not good enough for that. But you've got to understand that that's all right. You don't have to be perfect to be used by God. And I feel like this morning what God wants to say to every single one of us is, I see you. I see your imperfections. I see your failings. I see the things where you're not happy with how you're going. And hey, maybe there's room to improve, but that doesn't matter. I'm going to use you to go out and change the world. I want to transform your life to do something different. I want to take you out of the midst of your current situation and put you into new things, into bigger things, into things you didn't think were possible. So I want to pray for two groups of people this morning. The first one is for, for people that maybe you feel like you're not good enough. Maybe you, you've never felt good enough and you've let that get in the way. And I, want to, I just want to pray a real, like, a prayer of just, like, love, I guess, and 
maybe some forgiveness. Just for you this morning, you're like, I, I'm, um, I'm not good enough. I've always judged myself. I've always seen my imperfections as a, as a barrier. But I've always got in the way. And I just want to pray for you this morning. So if that's you this morning, you're like, these, these imperfections in my life have been getting in the way for too long. I need to understand the grace of God in my life. I just want you to lift your hand up where you are right now. And I'm going to pray for you. There's a few people with their hands up. Is anyone else? Cool. We're going to pray. God, I thank you that in the Bible, in your word, there's this awesome revelation of how you take people, regardless of their background, regardless of what's been going on, and you use them to change the world. And God, I pray for every person to just put their hand up then saying that, 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 that they're not perfect, that they need to understand your grace. So God, I pray right now, wherever they are in this room, God, whatever um, walk of life they're in, whatever age they are, whatever journey they're on, God, that right now they'd experience your grace, they'd feel your love, they'd feel your touch on their life, God. That they'd understand and they'd feel for the first time or maybe in a new way, God, that you're here, that you care for them, that nothing that's gone before would get in the way of that. That your grace is there, it's sufficient for them, it's more than enough for them, God, and they can continue on in their life with heads held high knowing that they're loved by you, a saving God, a loving God, a gracious God, a forgiving God. God, and as they understand that, that, yeah, things will turn around. There'll be a new day. There'll be a brighter day, Father God. Just breathe your life into them this morning. And the second group of people I want to pray is anyone else who maybe you've used imperfection as a reason for not serving God or you've sat back thinking, ah, oh, these other people who are better suited for that than me. But the message this morning is this, is that God wants to use you. He's not like, ah, oh, actually, you're not good enough. I'm going to go get someone who's better at that. He's like, he wants to use you. He's not going to go and find someone better behaved to do that. He's going to use you. And so I just, this morning, this is for you and God. It's not for me. I'm not taking down names to see who I can sign up to a connect group or anything like that. This is you and God. But if you're here this morning, you understand that maybe there is more that you should be doing, that maybe you've been ignoring the call of God on your life because you're like not quite there yet or you're not quite ready, or, or maybe you've been putting off doing some stuff you need to do, or, or maybe you, you've just been doing your own thing instead of serving God but you want to do something different about it from this morning on. You want to serve God. You want to be used by Him. You want to see a community changed by Him. You want to step out into something new. Then I just want you to lift up your hand this morning. I'm going to pray for you as well. So if that's you, I just want you to lift up your hands this morning. Cool, I see your hand. I see those hands. I think, I know that being used by God, that is the highest calling there is, right? It can be anything, but actually the step of saying, God, I'm here, use me. That's it. doesn't matter where you end up, but your heart's being open and saying, yeah, God, I'm here. I'm ready this morning. Use me. Take me as I am. Let's go. That is huge. So God, right now, for every person with their hand lifted up, every person here in your presence who's here this morning saying, 
I, I know that there's more, God. I maybe have been hanging back. I maybe haven't been running forward after you. Maybe I've been holding back because I'm unsure about stuff. Maybe I'm not sure about what you want me to do. Maybe I'm scared. Maybe I'm nervous. Maybe I'm lazy. I don't know what it is, God. But God, I pray for every single person in this place this morning who's lifted up their hands. It says, I want to be used by you, God. I want to serve you. I want to run after you. God, I pray that this morning would be a declaration. It would be a landmark morning in their life, Father God, that from this day forward, it wouldn't be a day of retreat. It wouldn't be a life of retreat or holding back, but God, a day of a life of being all in, God, one that runs after you, one that pursues you, God, with everything that lays aside any doubt, any self fear, loathing, insecurity, anything like that. And God, from this day forward, these people have said, That's me, God, that your hand would go on them, your, your, your power would go into them, Father God, and there'll be a new energy, a new excitement about chasing after you, Father God. God, I pray your blessing on every single person that's responded to you this morning, God. God, I thank you that you're in control, that you can take us, just people, just mere humans, and our imperfections, God, and you can use us to change the world. And God, I pray that in the same way that the disciples went out and transformed the world, regardless of the imperfections, God, that we would see the same fruit from the people in this place, God. That as we run after you, as we put aside our imperfections, God, as we look to you and not to ourselves, God, that we would see amazing things in our community, in Franklin, in Auckland, in New Zealand, in our homes and in our workplaces. In Jesus' name, amen.